0: hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of murphy's league today's episode i am not going to be having any trivia for you guys unfortunately i'm just getting done with finals and finishing up school for my first quarter of my senior year so this break i'm going to have a lot more free time to work on the podcast hopefully i'm going to be more active on the instagram as well so if you aren't following me over there be sure to go follow me at murphy's league but for today's episode i'm going to be talking about some backup quarterbacks some of the performances that i've been really impressed with and some guys that might be around to stay i'm also going to be talking about some other backups that are quickly going to be forgotten about and you know probably will not be long time starter starters in this league again i don't want it to come off as hate it's just a topic we're going to be talking about today obviously i'm always wishing these guys the best but you gotta face the reality a lot of these guys are not performing at the level you expect them to and other guys are greatly outperforming expectations so i'm going to be covering both of those I'm also going to be talking about week 15 of the NFL so I'm going to preview a couple games this might be a little bit of a shorter episode than usual but as I mentioned I'm in finals week right now I'm pretty busy with up to my neck in schoolwork right now so hope you guys do understand the shorter format and the lack of trivia I'm gonna close out today's episode with my power rankings, top 10 teams. It's a really, really competitive end of the season, especially in the AFC. There's a ton of really, really good AFC wildcard teams. So my top 10, honestly, you can kind of interchange a couple teams but i'll get to that once i get to that segment either way you guys know the drill there will be timestamps located down below so if you just want to hear me talk about backup quarterbacks you know feel free to skip to that that's going to be in a few seconds here if you just want to hear me talk about uh, the game previews and the best games coming up in week 15 i'm going to be talking all about the odds um you know, just general storylines about those games. Again, not going to be spending too much time in all the depths of that. Or if you just want to skip right ahead and you know, here, if your teams in the top 10, feel free to go ahead and skip to that. As always, timestamps will be located down below. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's get into it. First things first, like I mentioned in the intro, we're going to be talking about some backups in this league at the moment first let's start on a positive note there are obviously a lot of backup quarterbacks playing this year there have been a ton of injuries to star quarterbacks and you know not as store quarterbacks alike just a lot of injuries at the quarterback position in general so we can start on a positive note and start with some guys that have greatly exceeded my expectations and guys that could seriously you know make themselves a lot of money this offseason or possibly you know get themselves a starting position going forward whatever the case may be there are three guys more more like three and a half i really want to talk about three guys i really want to highlight and then one more just as a little bonus because he's more than likely going to get paid this offseason one storyline that has definitely appeared and is becoming more and more apparent especially with all these injuries happening happening to the quarterback position the backup quarterback position has become a premium in the nfl if you have backup that nevertheless if they can come in for a whole season and still keep you competitive like someone Um, that is going to be on this list that I'll get to in just a moment, but if you can just have the ability to come in for a game or two and at least, you know, give your team a fighting chance, that is very, very valuable, especially when you see, you know, such bad backups, which we'll get to in a second, it really does make a huge difference and it can seriously save your season. Um, so first off, this is a guy that is, you know, doing his best to save the season of the team. They were already having a rough season before their starter went down. It you know, didn't look good at all once he did go down. And surely enough, he's won his first two starts as a starter. I am talking about Jake Browning of the Cincinnati Bengals. He has played absolutely fantastic. Um, He now has five games under his belt, 75.5% completion percentage, 924 yards, 9.1 yards per attempt, which is just Insane, if you really think about it, that is better than a whole lot of starters. That's better than Mahomes this year, for context um, of how impressive that yards per attempt is. Five passing touchdowns, two interceptions, seventy-seven rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and a fumble. I've talked about him a decent amount on this podcast, so. If you've already heard me talk about him, again, I'm not going to be going into too much detail, but this dude has been slinging it. He's been playing very, very well. A lot of credit to Zach Taylor as well for dialing up good game plans for him and for them being on the same page. But basically, the offense has seen practically no regression with jake browning coming in and being the starter he's very similar in terms of play style he's very similar in terms of skill set there's not a whole lot on the football field that jake browning can't do that joe burrow has done obviously we've seen joe burrow you know perform on the biggest stages and take his team to a super bowl and he's won a heisman and all the accolades joe burrow 100 has that on his side but if you look at their stats you know back to back against each other on paper they're very very similar quarterbacks right now and i'm not saying that jake brown gonna you know get paid 275 million dollars like joe burrow just was but i am saying that the backup quarterback is very valuable like i just mentioned you know he is able to keep the cincinnati Bengals afloat despite them losing you know game altering franchise changing player in joe burrow it's been very very impressive what he's been able to do he's not only made some high level throws and he does have very good weapons to throw to in t higgins and jamar chase but he's also making the right decisions seems to be on the same page as zach taylor and it's just been going very very well for him he's cool calm and collected in the pocket even just the way he you know holds himself back there with such the moment never seems too big for him he has such confidence about him he really does remind me of joe burrow and you can tell he's learned from sitting behind joe burrow in this role he is playing fantastic and he's a er Uh, FA, which is a exclusive rights free agent. So I'm not exactly sure what the, like, uh, what's what's the word i'm looking for what the details of that contract are i guess is one way i could put it um i know for a fact that he has to play a certain amount set of games and then i believe he becomes a restricted free agent from there where the cincinnati Bengals will have first dibs but i don't know if that comes down to a bidding war or what exactly happens after that um i was a little bit confused when i was doing the research on it so you guys more than welcome to do it yourself i from what i took away from it um it's sounding like because he's already started the amount of games he started and assuming he finished the season as a starter then he will be coming back to cincinnati at least for next year as a backup but again if i got some details wrong let me know um that's just from what i understood from it and i still would expect you know even if he doesn't see the field entirely at all next year just sitting behind joe burrow a team may want to take a shot on someone like that the next offseason coming up and again maybe i read the contract wrong maybe they can get into a bidding war this offseason and maybe a team you know we've seen some terrible quarterback play this season maybe a team i don't know like the raiders or like atlanta like one of these teams that really needs a quarterback right now um could they possibly make a move at jake browning only time will tell but he is playing very very well and is more than likely making himself a lot of money based off his performance again absurd absurd numbers for someone of his caliber someone of his position someone that frankly when joe burrow went down i think nearly all of us counted them out and they're still very much alive and in this thing and f- have a winning record 15 weeks into the season i guess 14 weeks you know 15's about to come up is a very very impressive feat um just given where they were where they started and where they are now it's very impressive a lot of credit to jake Browning, but also a lot of credit to zach taylor and that coaching staff over there up next let's talk about the italian stallion himself uh tommy davido from the new york giants he is playing fantastic as well he has six games under his belt now almost a 66 percent completion rate om- nearly 855 yards passing 6.8 yards per attempt so again a little bit more of a manager there not as much slinging the rock as someone like jake browning although not a lot of people in the league really are eight yards or sorry eight passing touchdowns to three interceptions 154 along the ground with one rushing touchdown on the ground as well two fumbles for him but still really good passing touchdown to interception ratio making the right decisions with the football there we've seen really really bright moments from devito even you know just this past week against the green bay packers which was fucking awesome and maybe this is the italian in me and you know obviously vance if you're listening to this one of the homies he's a Giants fan so always rooting against the Packers always rooting for the Giants it was a win-win-win Tommy DeVito was able to get it done in a two-minute drill very impressive what he was able to do at the end of the drive there you know despite Saquon Barkley doing his best to throw that game away and again I'm only saying it half, half jokingly, Saquon Barkley is obviously an incredible player and he was a big reason why they did win, win that game, but that fumble was just terrible timing, came out of costly time, Tommy DeVito, the moment wasn't too big for him, he rallied the troops, drove those dudes down in a crucial two minute drill where they absolutely had to have it, and Honestly, a lot of these games where they've had to have it, um, you know, the the Washington game was a great example against a division rival. That stage was not too big for him. He balled out. Um, he did it again once more in primetime at home. This is a guy that not only is he a great storyline, obviously the Italian kid from New York living, sorry, if you could just hear my speaker beep out in the background, the Italian kid from New York living with his parents, the Italian stallion, you know, all that stuff is awesome, but throw that, all that stuff out the window. He's also just besides the story he's playing great football and is seriously making an argument for the giants to move on from daniel jones just one year removed from giving him that mega contract a lot of people were talking you know halfway through the season if that contract even when that contract was given let's let's take it back a little bit a lot of people were talking about if this guy was worth this amount of money uh, how could they possibly move on from the future if they need to well tommy devito an undrafted free agent who's you know not making nearly, nearly as much as Daniel Jones could possibly be the answer here, and again, I'm not sure of all the details, I'm not going to get into all of it right now, because there's still a lot of football left to be played, and I'm not saying that Tommy DeVito is going to be the future starter of the New York Giants, I'm not saying that, I'm just saying that the conversation is being had right now, and that is a fact up next will levis will levis has had surely had some ups and downs of being a pro just like he was in college but also his highs just like they were in college are extremely high you can really see the ceiling with this guy cannon of an arm um not only that but i love his fiery personality he really seemed fired up against the miami game he obviously did something that no quarterback in nfl history has done no quarterback in the history of the league has ever been down 14 points with less than three minutes left and won a football game. Will Levis, congratulations. You are the first quarterback in the history of the game to ever accomplish that feat. So a lot of credit to him there. But he also makes some spa- splash plays. He seems to have a really good c- connection with DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, one of the mas- most excuse me, quarterback-friendly wide receivers, Ever uh literally in the entire history of the league, he is one of the most quarterback friendly just because catch radius, hands, separation, he really has it all from what you want in a wide receiver and still doing it at a very high level, despite him getting up there in age now in his you know, age thirty-one season, if I'm not mistaken. He's in his thirties, I know that for sure. But Will Levis again. A lot of ups and downs, kind of has that gunslinger mentality to him. Um, Only a 58.3% completion rate. That's really where that stat's shown. But in seven games, he's got nearly 1,600 yards, 7.1 yards per attempt, eight passing touchdowns to three interceptions, no rushing touchdowns with five fumbles. But still, it's the highs that you're really, really looking for in this guy. Um, He's shown abilities to make plays off-platform. He made a cross-the-body touchdown throw to DeAndre Hopkins in that game against Miami he's made some you know big time throws in other games um again a lot of them go into deandre hopkins but not just him um and again it's really the ceiling for this guy that you're really paying attention to and his ceiling is very very high um his floor you know maybe a little bit lower than some of these other starters in the league but that was really what you are expecting from him out of college, and I still can't believe that this guy fell all the way to the second round just based off the talent. And I'm really wishing the best for Will Levis because I think if he hits his ceiling, he could be an extremely fun talent in this league, comparable to someone like a Josh Allen, honestly. Um, maybe not quite as mobile, but just as far as entertainment value and as far as gunslinging, as far as, you know, you might see a lot of turnovers, but you might see a lot of points too. Will Levis could be someone like that. One more guy I want to talk about, and this was the three and a half I was talking about earlier, because I think this guy, you know, he's been known to be one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league for some time now, but he is entering a point in his career where he is becoming an unrestricted free agent, Gardner Minshew. He's started 12 games for the Indianapolis Colts, 63.2% completion rate, 2,500 passing yards, 6.7 yards per attempt. So more of a game manager in those numbers, but still nonetheless, a positive passing touchdown to interception ratio at 11 to eight, three touchdowns on along the ground. He has done a lot of good for the annapolis colts don't get me wrong this is a team effort they've been very solid running the ball their defense is very much a bend but don't break unit and gardner mincio has done his best to just manage and keep them afloat in games and even at times he's rallied them in overtime you know that tennessee game that baltimore game earlier on in this year he was responsible for both of those drives that you know ended up being Indianapolis W's. So he's done a lot for his team. The stats don't absolutely necessarily pop off the stat sheet. But then again, we talked about it earlier. The quarterback position is very mediocre this year. There are a lot of not great quarterbacks and there are a lot of teams that need a replacement at quarterback. Could one of these teams that are very needy of quarterback take a shot on someone like Gardner Minshew? Because you're not gonna have to pay a premium. He's a long time backup. Or will Indianapolis, you know, say, Anthony Richardson is a big physical guy. He might get injured again. And Gardner Minshew was able to, you know, obviously the playoffs aren't upon us yet, but as of right now, if the playoffs ended, they the Indianapolis Colts would be in the playoffs, and a lot of that is responsible because of Gardner Minshew and his contributions to this team. So very interesting to see how much he's going to get paid this offseason. Either way, he is playing himself in position to get another contract from some team in the NFL, whether it is the Colts or whether it is one of these quarterback needy teams, only time will tell. Now before I move on to the next segment, let's talk about three backup quarterbacks that I will be forgetting about and the rest of the league likely will too. These guys will likely be long time backups. You know, unless something happens. And again, I don't want to come off like a hater here. I don't want to say I'm rooting against any of these guys. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm anticipating these guys to be bad and they're going to be bad. And that's that. I'm not saying that. I hope these guys can going to turn around. I'm always wishing for the best for every player in the NFL. Um, unless your name is Deshaun Watson, then fuck off. But either way three names to forget about in the quarterback discussion let's start with aiden o'connell he's now got seven games under his belt for the i almost said oakland raiders for the las vegas raiders 63.8 percent completion rate um only 1365 yards which for seven games i mean you do the math that's less than 200 yards a game not good um 6.5 yards per attempt four passing touchdowns to seven interceptions 11 rushing yards in again seven games not good dude's a statue One rushing touchdown with four fumbles. Um, Again, he's a rookie, and I want to give him a little bit of the benefit doubt. But at the end of the day, we've seen, and it's not just CJ Stroud or Justin Herbert or Baker Mayfield or whatever rookie historical season you want to take from recent history. Even beyond that, we've seen more rookies be efficient than that. Um, You know, just this year, for example, Will Levis has had some really good moments, uh, you know, better than Aiden O'Connell, that's for damn sure. Anthony Richardson, before he got injured, has had some major promise. Um, Bryce Young, you know, he's had a rough go. Panthers, that's kind of a different scenario going on there. CJ Stroud has been absolutely fantastic. My point is, we've seen rookies make it work and being able to get it done, and there are definitely worse weapons to play with than Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. Obviously, the Raiders have a lot of turmoil in their front office, and I'm not entirely blaming Aiden O'Connell, and there's just a lot of things that are without outside of his control excuse me but as of right now he is not playing to the level um that he needs to to prove himself to be the starter going forward and more than likely the raiders will be attacking quarterback once again this off season up next um these are two guys but i put them into one because they actually play for the same team um you could probably guess where i'm going with this bailey Zappi and mac jones um neither one of their numbers have been very good at all and again a lot of these quarterbacks just situation is very very important to success anyone anyone on a football field not just quarterback but situation is so 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 important this is a terrible situation just like aiden o'connell you know i would argue that o'connell situations may be better obviously they've had a lot of turnover and coaching josh mcdaniel's leaving but just in terms of weapons um i think you can you wouldn't argue at all that the patriots have better weapons than the raiders the raiders most certainly do and so you know that's another argument for bailey Zappi and Mac Jones, that this shouldn't be entirely pointed on them because, you know, there's been a lot of issues with play calling going on in New England. There none of the receivers can get um, consistent separation or even separation just on an average pace. You know, a lot of those guys are below the mark in that regard, but the numbers don't lie here. I mean, Bailey Zappi's got six games under his belt, 55% completion rate, You, uh, 539 passing yards, ew. 5.9 passing yards per attempt, three passing touchdowns to three interceptions. Uh, Mac Jones numbers, they're better. They're better. Um, I mean, you could make an argument that they're technically worse because the touchdown to interception ratio is worse, but better completion percentage, a lot more yards. Obviously, he's had a lot more snaps, uh, better average yards per attempt. Uh, ratings are very similar in the mid 70s. So, nothing that really sticks out there. And again, this is just a scenario where what came first the chicken or the egg you know we've seen mac jones play pretty well his rookie year was honestly a really really good one coming back to the point that you can make it work work with rookies um but he really hasn't been able to find some of that magic. I think a lot of it does have to be blamed with his coaching staff. They're clearly ruining the development of these two young quarterbacks. And I think in a different scenario, they could both be something in this league, Uh, especially Mac Jones. I've I've been a Mac Jones believer. I truly think, I mean, if you put Mac Jones in like the Kyle Shanahan system, come on now and you can say that with a lot of quarterbacks but i still am surprised they didn't end up going with mac jones over trey lance way back in the day but that's neither here nor there my point is um, both these quarterbacks are not getting it done at a high enough level and as of right now they're most definitely on the hot seat of losing their jobs one more guy i want to talk about before i get into my preview segment for week 15 It has to be Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson's just having such a rough season. And this is kind of a bad time to do this segment because he is coming off arguably the best game of his entire career, over 300 passing yards against the Houston Texans with plenty of good throws on tape, despite the bad weather. So it's kind of a bad time to do this, but I mean, come on. We can't be that short-sighted. We can't do this again. We always, you know, want to start believing in Zach Wilson in the talent, and then he always comes around and bites us in the ass. We've seen too many terrible performances, not only this year, but in past years against Zach Wilson. The sample size of bad games just far outweighs the very small sample size where he's played well. Again, Houston this last week in at home, excuse me, probably the best game of his career. Probably had the highest highs of his entire career. But at the end of the day it just wasn't enough for me and from what i've seen i just can't give him that i still think he's going to be a long-term backup um i don't know exactly what they're gonna how they're gonna finish the year i expect him to you know finish the year as a starter just to get playing time this team knows they're more than likely not going to make the playoffs anyways they're, let's let's be honest here they're not going to make the playoffs i think they know that from within the building too um but give him the reps give him the opportunity see what he can make of it and frankly I don't think it's going to matter. I think this guy is going to be a backup for a long time, either on the Jets or elsewhere um, to talk about his stats. Because I, I did cover everybody else's stats. Zach Wilson, 11 games, 60% completion rate, 200, sorry, not 200. Whoa, 2,200 passing yards, 6.3 yards per attempt, eight passing touchdowns to seven INTs, 211 rushing yards with 10, 10 fumbles. That is a lot of fumbles again i don't have the exact amount of how many he's lost but that's not a good number by any means um zach wilson again going to be a backup whether it is in new york or elsewhere only time will tell let's get into my next segment let's talk about some games going on this week all right so like i said this next segment is going to be about my favorite games of the week let's work backwards let's talk about monday night football eagles at seahawks eagles obviously in a little bit of a skid losing not only the number one seed in the nfc um to the san francisco 49ers a couple weeks ago but they also lost the crown of the nfc east to the dallas cowboys dallas cowboys san francisco 49ers and the eagles i believe all now have the same record but dallas has the tiebreaker over them um they actually might be one game ahead if i'm not mistaken either way um this eagles are not necessarily in desperation mode because you still expect them to make the playoffs. You know, the last two card spots in the NFC are very, very weak, but still, you know, have a chance of, hosting home playoff games still have a chance of earning that one seed at the bye you know they're going to come after this one very aggressive very hungry after the skid gonna want to prove to the rest of the nfl that they still can hang with teams like the dallas cowboys like the san francisco 49ers this is a very extremely brutal stretch in their schedule and in my books this is the last really hard game they have to go through before they're in the clear Um, obviously you know they face the chiefs the bills um cowboys and then the niners uh losing two of those games uh obviously had a really emotional bout overtime battle against the bills barely beat out the chiefs and then got stomped by the cowboys and the niners now going on the road again don't forget seattle one of the hardest stadiums in the entire nfl to play in that 12th man is no joke it is loud it might be raining in this one and seattle They're just as motivated. They have a whole lot to play for, if not more. You know, Philly. If they lose this one, sure, they're probably still in the playoffs. Maybe they're not going to get a home playoff game. They're probably not going to win the NFC East, but they're going to make the playoffs. Seattle loses this one, they're already on the outside looking in. They're six and seven. They would drop to six and eight. Um, Their schedule gets a lot easier after this, just like the Eagles. But both teams a lot to play for the over/unders currently sitting at 47 and a half points. Seahawks are currently 4 point underdogs. Also worth noting, um this is just a trend and again, this doesn't really mean a whole lot because they just they're so independent to each other, but it's worth mentioning. Primetime games have been absolutely banging this year, especially Monday night games. They have been fantastic. Seattle, when they've been in primetime, they've been excellent. The last time we saw them in primetime was that Thursday night game against the Dallas Cowboys where they put up one of the best games of the entire season. I think we could see a really, really good better than expected game in this one i think seattle keeps it really close they're a really desperate team playing for a lot both of these teams have a lot to prove we know the identities of both of these teams and i think seattle being at home really really helps them overall i don't know exactly what's going to happen in this game it's not like i have some bold take or bold prediction i'm just super excited to watch it i'm so glad it's in prime time on monday night and i'm hopefully going to watch it with some of you guys that are listening um you know i don't know some of my homies hopefully want to watch this game (laughs) up next let's go to the cowboys at bills bills are currently two point favorites over under of 50 and a half points it's likely to rain in this one so i don't want to get trapped into it and sucked into it but i kind of like the oh or sorry the under for that reason um i know it might be kind of a cop out and kind of a stupid reason but weather does play a factor in this one you know (laughs) new york this time of year tends to be pretty shitty it's going to be really cold it's going to be wet um cowboys still first in the nfc east dak prescott now favored to win the mvp after this past week's performance bills are still on the outside looking in of the playoff picture despite finally moving to over 500 on the season so again another situation where both of these teams have a whole lot to play for dallas cowboys want to hold on to their position in the afc playoff picture they want to ensure that they have a bye for the playoffs oh someone someone's someone's mad one of the one of the roommates is mad outside um anyways they want to make sure that they hold their position and have a buy for the playoffs if not just a home playoff game um i think the san francisco 49ers right now are the one seed in the nfc so they don't even really have a chance at the buy but if they can help it they would absolutely love to host a home playoff game not having to go on the road on the wild card spot so Dak Prescott, a lot to play for, keeping his hold on the favorite for the MVP as a team, a whole lot to play for because, you know, they want that advantage in the playoffs. And then the Bills, they just want to keep their season alive. Josh Allen, obviously one of the most up and down quarterbacks and one of those up and down players in the entirety of the NFL, leading the league in total touchdowns, also leading the league in turnovers. So, which Josh Allen are we going to get in this one? Either way, it should be really, really exciting. I think it's a little bit interesting that the Bills are favored by two. Um, I think there's a big home field advantage there. Again, I think the weather's going to play a factor in this one. Um, Buffalo kind of you know, finding their groove right now, coming off of a really, really big win against the Kansas City Chiefs, which I'm not really going to talk about that right now, but I will say That was an offsides. Um, I don't know how you can argue against it. It's just that stuff happens and it costs him the game. And I really didn't like how Mahomes was bitching about it because it was very uncharacteristic. And I think he knows it. I think looking back on it, he probably wishes he handled that situation differently. But either way, Buffalo Bills... Get a massive win in kansas city this past week keep their season alive now have the dallas cowboys coming into town if they can be you know back-to-back super bowl contenders whether it is at home or away it doesn't matter um that would be huge not only for the morale of this team but just for playoff standings keeping their season alive and i'm really really excited to see this game up next broncos at lions lions are currently four and a half point favorites over under 47 and a half the broncos looking to hold their playoff spot They're currently sitting at seven and six as well. Have tiebreakers over teams. Um, Actually only one game behind of Kansas city now funny enough, but have tiebreakers over teams um, like the Texans and like the Buffalo bills actually, no, they don't, they don't have them over the Texans. I'm sorry about that. They do have it over the Buffalo bills either way. Uh, broncos defense has been playing out of their minds for the past few weeks they've really really turned things around there's a few reasons because of this um if you haven't yet go check out brett coleman's new video on the broncos defense he's goes into a really good amount of depth of what they've been able to do and how they've been able to turn this team around but in a broad sense um they've been more effective with the blitz not only they're blitzing more but they're blitzing in the right scenarios they've had new personnel changes including you know um a new nickel which i can't seem to remember the name of right now um, but he's been playing fantastic they've had new edge rushers join the team um you know ever since randy gregory's been gone they've had other guys come back and step up for them in huge ways so there's been a lot of things going right for this defense and they've been playing fantastic winning the turnover battle consistently russell wilson has had some of that you know, dangerous magic back in his game. Him and Corlin Sutton really do have a special connection. He is playing extremely well, especially outside the pocket in improvising and making plays outside of structure. That has really been his bread and butter. Honestly, since he's entered the league, that's been one of the things he's been so good at, and that completely disappeared from his game last year. We've finally seen it again um especially you know these past seven weeks or so he's been doing it at a very very high level the lions also worth mentioning they've struggled with mobile quarterbacks you know who have they lost to this year they've lost lamar jackson who beat the shit out of him. they lost to justin fields they lost to jordan love among a few um those guys have all been mobile they're all able to work outside of structure and they're all able to make throws on the run so i think the Lions, you know, still find a way to get this done. Hold on to their position in the AFC playoffs. And the Broncos maybe come back down to earth a little bit. But either way, the Broncos are a team right now, you just simply cannot count them out because they've proven it time and time again. They can win the turnover battle. They can get points when it matter most. Russell Wilson has some magic left in him. They're not running the ball incredibly efficiently, but they really don't need to when their defense is playing as well as they are and giving the offense the opportunities that they're giving them. Um, so either way, I think if Jared Goff can just play a clean game, they can run the ball effectively with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, you know, they'll be able to win this one and maybe even be able to win it fairly convincingly. But if they allow turnovers to become a problem this one, if the if Denver gets ahead early and they're playing catch-up, sort of like what we saw against Baltimore, it could get ugly. And next thing you know, the Broncos could be moving on to eight and six, possibly even catching up to the Chiefs in the AFC West, which would just be incredible and who would have thought up next these next two two games i'm going to cover rather quickly not too much to talk about here but still worth mentioning in the episode nonetheless steelers at colts but again both of these teams still technically alive for playoff contention um again kenny pickett being injured really does hurt the pittsburgh steelers i just you know me I'm a Chicago guy. I don't like Mitchell Trubisky at all. Don't trust that guy. He's got a turnover problem. It's apparent. It showed up really, really terribly last week uh, against the New England Patriots. But either way, both teams playing with their backups, but still very much alive. Very similar identity to both teams. You know, good defenses, especially in the Steelers case, dominant defense at times, um, but Ben but don't break defenses, lean on their run game heavily, uh, not only lean on their run game heavily, but use two running backs in the case of, you know, Warren and Najee Harris in the case of the Steelers. And then you got Moss and Jonathan Taylor up there in Indianapolis. So I think the biggest question to me in this game is will Trubisky finish the game um, or will Mason Rudolph come in? Um, you know, if Trubisky throws some picks early, it's going to be really hard for them to climb out of that type of hole against a defense like the indianapolis colts it is in indianapolis too they're currently one and a half point favorites with an over under of 42 points i think the only line i'd be eyeing in this one honestly i kind of like the Colts spread at one and a half and i kind of like the under that might come back to bite me in the ass but I, again i just really don't trust Mitchell Trubisky right now um and i just don't think that that Pittsburgh is going to have enough on the road to get it done offensively I think Gardner Minshew and those guys I've seen enough from them um, they've been able to deliver especially in crucial moments I think they are able to keep that trend going and I like the Colts a lot in that one up next and the final game I'm going to be talking about before I get into my power rankings Vikings at Bengals Bengals are currently three point favorites with an over under of 40 points a um, couple point or a couple questions I have in this one Again, not going to go into too much detail, but can the Vikings find anything, anything at all offensively? Because that game last week against the Raiders was utterly embarrassing, punting on every single one and on every single drive, excuse me, winning the ball game three to nothing. That is not something to be prideful of. Um, And frankly, it was just not good at all. They've completely lost the spark. The Josh Dobbs sanity run, whatever you want to call it, is over. Um, unfortunately, uh, I'm, I'm a big Josh Dobbs guy, shout out volunteers, go Tennessee. Um, but that sucks to watch because their offense was absolutely putrid. Luckily for them, their defense was able to keep them in that game. And the Raiders offense is just as putrid. So it didn't end up mattering in that one, but can Jake Browning just keep balling Jake Browning? I mentioned him earlier in this episode. He's been playing out of his mind. He's playing very, very, very well. Um, seriously, you know, playing well enough to get himself into starter contention i'm not saying for the cincinnati Bengals in particular because obviously we know how incredible joe burrow is but just in general as for any team i don't know which team it would be but he is placing himself in that conversation um so can he keep it up really becomes a question there is a bus outside my window sorry if you can hear that um and if he can you know, I think they have a very, very good chance of beating the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings is a defense that has greatly improved from last year, um, not only with some key acquisitions. Uh, Ivan Pace, undrafted free free agent out of Cincinnati, has been a great pickup for them. But um, why am I forgetting his name right now? Brian, Brian Flores, there it is, has been dialing it up for those guys. Um, he's called very, very good game plans at times. So can they slow down Jake Browning? Can they finally, you know, be the team that, brings them back down to earth a little bit, only time will tell, because if they can't, they need their offense to turn it on and find something, because last week was pathetic. Up next, let's finish up with my top 10 power rankings. Alright, my top 10 power rankings to finish up the episode, let's talk about two honorable mentions before I get into my top 10, actually three, sorry about that. Buffalo, Houston, and Cincinnati. Don't have too much to say about those teams. I just don't trust Buffalo enough. I think that you could definitely make an argument that Buffalo should be in the top 10. But I think once I read my first three teams in the top 10, you'll understand why I didn't put them there because at least the top two, excuse me, nine and 10, um, both beat Buffalo. So I don't really think you can put them quite there yet. But if a week from now, um, they end up do. You know, especially if they beat the shit out of the Cowboys in their home, then yeah, they're a top 10 team in the NFL. Houston, I just don't really know what's going on with C.J. Stroud. Also don't like the way, even with C.J. Stroud going down um, early in that game against the Jets, they got diced up by Zach Wilson. Never a good look. And then finally, Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati, the only reason why they don't make my top 10 is because I'm just waiting for this small sample size of Jake Browning to come back down to earth a little bit for his crazy run to stop and if that happens, they are most definitely not a top 10 team in the league, but you could definitely make an argument that right now they are with how Jake is playing, but still, I'm just pushing forward with hesitancy. I'll say that. Number 10, Denver Broncos. I mean, I cannot believe that this fucking team is in the top 10, especially if you told me that in like week five, I would have been like, what are you smoking, dude? Because they were one and four, and the only team they beat at that point, I believe was the Chicago Bears but since then I've mentioned it earlier in this podcast their defense turned it on Russell Wilson has found serious magic with Cortland Sutton they get just enough done offensively they come up with clutch plays when they need them most and they've beaten a lot of really good teams so I gotta give them credit where it's due they're the 10th best team in the league right now number nine Jacksonville um I was really happy to see Trevor Lawrence ended up playing last week obviously it didn't end up mattering they did lose to Cleveland who's themselves have really found a great groove. Uh, Joe Flacco has come in and been honestly more than serviceable for this team. He's been the best quarterback we've seen all season for Cleveland, which is just amazing. But either way, Jacksonville, still a really, really good team in the AFC. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury, so I expect him to only get better as we get further removed from that injury. And this is a team that honestly, what can't they do? They can run the ball very well. Travis Etienne having a really, really good year for himself. I like some of their pieces in their secondary. Um, they protect fairly well. Josh Allen's having a really good season at the edge position in a contract year. So, Jacksonville, a team that can pretty much compete with anyone in the AFC. I have them at number nine. Number eight, the team that just beat Jacksonville, Cleveland. Um, I fucking love Cleveland. I just really like their personnel. I like the way they're coached. I like the way they play the game I like their defense I mean they have an absolutely nasty defensive line led by Miles Garrett defensive player of the year candidate himself Um, but beyond that they've got depth on the defensive line they can send a whole bunch of guys at you their secondary is flying around Martin Emerson had an amazing game last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars And he's one of their lower guys, um, as far as recognition goes, in that secondary. Grant Delpit, who they just extended, has been fantastic at strong safety. You've got guys like Denzel Ward. You've got guys like, um, oh fuck, why am I forgetting his name? The other cornerback, Martin Emerson, Denzel Ward. Oh, shit. It'll come back to me, it's okay. Greg Newsom. there we go. I knew he went to fucking Northwestern greg Newsom, who's been great in his own right so cleveland you know if you can play really sound defense you can run the ball efficiently you're going to be able to compete with any team in the nfl and then joe flacco he's a veteran he's been around he's seen a lot of things won a lot of big games he's what they need at quarterback right now he's got them at the number eight slot number seven detroit again i've talked so much about detroit all year long so i'll keep it short but they win on both sides of the line of scrimmage that's all you really need um good enough uh excuse me perimeter weapons jared goff is being smart with the football taking care of it i still want to see more from their secondary in particular um but their front seven i really do like again aiden hutchinson leaving the way there having a breakout year for himself detroit lions number seven number six miami dolphins obviously we know how explosive this offense can be i'm hoping that tyree kill is 100 healthy by next week um, there's some criticisms with Tuatanga Bailoa possibly just being a game manager. I don't care. Mike McDaniels is scheming up so damn well. Raheem Moster is still balling out as well as, excuse me, Devon Achan when he is on the field himself has still seen really, really good opportunities for himself. Jalen Ramsey coming back and looking like an immediate first team all pro pro bowler type of talent losing no steps there he's been fantastic the loss of jalen phillips does hurt a lot but i still really like what i've seen from andrew van ginkle and bradley chubb at times he's a little bit more inconsistent but still they have the personnel they've got the coaching staff miami dolphins at number six number five still gotta put him here still gotta put him in the top five yes they have been on a skid and they're definitely not as dominant as they have been in past years the kansas city chiefs Truly, the only weakness of this team right now is their wide receivers, which don't get me wrong. It's a really big weakness. They're seriously like one of the worst receiving cores, if not the worst receiving core in the entirety of the NFL, just with the level they're playing. It's not good enough. They need to step it up in that regard, but everything else, I mean, they check every box, possibly the best coach in the league. Check best quarterback in the league. Check um, top five offensive line. Check really, really good defense. Steve Spagnolo is dialing that thing up, especially their secondary, which is extremely underrated. Legereus Sneed and and, um, Trent McDuffie are playing very, very well. And then they have some really good pieces along the defensive line. Obviously, we know how good Chris Jones can be. George Karloftis has been great at times. So there's a lot to like for the Kansas City Chiefs, the one thing, and it's a really big thing, but the one thing is the receivers need to step up. Number four, Philadelphia. Again, still got to pay them a the respect. They're still one of the best offensive and defensive lines in the entirety of the NFL. Still have a ton of veterans that have won a lot of really, really big games. Um, you know, Again, I think the one really big weakness with this team is the secondary. We've seen it torch them um, many times this season. We just saw san francisco absolutely take advantage of that you know not so great secondary um but nevertheless this is a team that i still got to give them the benefit of the doubt i still think they're going to be one of you know the eight to four final teams remaining in you know the final dance when it's all set and done so number four philadelphia number three got to give them the credit they just put a clinic on the dallas cowboys number three i mean what is the weakness of this team right now? Cause I can't find one personally. I don't really, I can't really see it. I don't really know where it shows up. Dak Prescott, obviously leading the league. Um, excuse me, not leading the league. He's leading the MVP vote. There we go. The MVP race, as I should say, um, Micah Parsons and all those guys on defense DeRon Bland, you know, both those guys playing at all pro levels. Um, we know what this team is. We know how good they are. You've heard enough about it. Move on to number two, Baltimore. Um, Honestly, maybe in perspective, I should have switched these teams, but again, Baltimore, not a whole lot of defenses, or sorry, not a whole lot of weaknesses. Sorry about that. Um, One of the most dominant defenses in the entire league. Lamar Jackson himself is playing at MVP level, kind of similar to what's going on in Kansas City. where. You might want to see a little more from some of their weapons on the perimeter. And with Mark Andrews going down, you know, that really did hurt this team. But nonetheless, they're still finding ways to win games. Lamar Jackson's been playing incredible. OBJ had a couple really big moments for them this past week. Good for him. And at number one, no surprise at all, the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, what else do I need to say? Like, seriously, I don't even think I need any explanation here. They are the best team in the league. They just whoop the shit out of. Philly, they whipped the shit out of Dallas earlier this year, which whipped the shit out of Philly as well. So I don't know what else I have to say. Brock Purdy is playing at an MVP level. Christian McCaffrey is one of the best offensive weapons in the entire sport. Uh, Nick Bosa, a lot of those guys along the defensive line can create consistent pressure. Um, Traverius Ward is playing at a Pro Bowl, if not all pro level at cornerback. I mean, seriously, this team can do it all. Um, one of the best offensive minds in the, in the game. I don't know what else you want me to say that's it. That's my top 10. Those are my power rankings. I hope you guys did enjoy this episode. If you did, be sure to share this with your friends and family. Follow me over on Instagram at Murphy's league. Follow me here. Whether you're listening to me on Spotify or Apple music, I really do appreciate you. I guess that's it for me guys. Have a great rest of your day and peace out.